You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is the Hemp Present Resistance. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. Today's guest on Hemp Present is David Palaszczuk. With over 20 years of global brand building and consumer marketing experience at American Express, MasterCard, PepsiCo, and Microsoft, and over seven years in the legal cannabis industry as VP, licensing and brand partnerships at Dope Magazine, chief brand officer at Evergreen Herbal, and the Matters Group, Palaszczuk has played a part in creating many of today's well-known cannabis brands. David's writings on cannabis trends, branding, and packaging have been featured in the Cannabis Industry Journal, New Cannabis Ventures, Dope Magazine, High Times, and Prohibited. David's work has been noted and quoted in Forbes, Kiplinger's, the Brookings Institution, as well as interviewed with Wharton School of Business, Entrepreneur Radio, and formerly on this network, Cannabis Radio, among others. He has a new book out, Branding Bud, the Commercialization of Cannabis, and he's joining me to tell us more about it. Welcome, David, to Cannabis Radio. Hi, Vivian. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Your new book, Branding Bud, the Commercialization of Cannabis, is billed as the first book of its kind to explore and critically review new legal cannabis brands. Why did you feel at this point in the evolution of the retail cannabis industry that it is time for a book about cannabis branding? Well, you know, it's interesting. You you say at this point, um, at this point, we're almost 10 years into the legalization of recreational cannabis in some states in our country. 
and um, brands and uh, uh, have established themselves and will continue to establish themselves in different states. And many of those brands are, are working their way um, across states. So, um, so 10 years in, I, I think um, it's the right time. Uh, more importantly, honestly, it's not about the brands per se and talking about the brands. Rather, it's about the consumers and what the consumers need to know. And, and there are brands that represent uh, quality and consistency, and the consumers need to better understand um, what's happening in the, in the cannabis industry. They need to be informed. They need to, you know, understand that consumption is more than just smoking cannabis. It's actually all the other form factors that are involved. Um, you know, those uh, range anywhere from flour to concentrates to topicals and lotions to sublingual slips and transdermal patches. Um, further, the canicurious um, really are still trying to get their heads around indica and sativa, THC and CBD, uptake and bioavailability, um, let alone all the strains that are being thrown at them right now. So now is the right time to educate the canna curious more importantly, and also for those that are either in the industry, interested in being in the industry, or cannabis consumers themselves to see what's happening in other states. So you dive a lot deeper than just, you know, talking about the branding of cannabis. Uh, you go as far as to demystify some of the issues for consumers um, and, and then also kind of uh, dissect the industry. Is that correct? It, it is. And, and so it's interesting, you, you know, the response to the book has generally been very positive, but there are folks in the cannabis industry, which believe maybe it's too early uh, to talk about cannabis branding or believe that cannabis branding isn't the right thing to be talking about right now relative to the industry. But the truth is, is that with the legal and political aspects that that abound and have surrounded cannabis from its early days, um, you know, and through prohibition here in the United States, you know, that's led to um, stereotypes and, and um, sort of the stoner hippie stereotype that we all sort of know and understand. And um, while that's only a part of of the culture, it is certainly um, uh, just a segment. And that said, I think the the book really talks about um, the the early history of cannabis. It talks about prohibition. It it then talks about why these stereotypes were created, how those stereotypes were fostered into pop culture and into the current world we live in, um, and and now how those translate into either brands themselves or what people outside of the cannabis industry or those that consume it think about cannabis. Other than your personal experience in the industry, what kind of research did you conduct when you're preparing for your book? Well, um, other than my, let's just, uh, for one moment, I, I know in the introduction you talked about my, my time in the industry, but at this point, I'm almost 10 years in um, with three years at, uh, at Dope Magazine. Um, also a number of years at, at uh, one of Washington State's uh, top processors creating a number of different brands, including beverages, edibles, and flower products. 
Um, and then also the last couple of years, basically consulting at my own firm, Palashuk. But, but 10 years into the cannabis industry, uh, developing products um, would, would be really, you know, my lead in. Having said that, um, my 25 plus years as a branding and marketing uh, expert at the companies you mentioned earlier, that also brings me in with a certain perspective relative to branding, which comes completely from outside of the cannabis space. But relative to the the research that I've done, um, it's been quite extensive and the book has been really five years in the making. So, I mean, simply put from interviews and traveling to, to um, a number of uh, grows and dispensaries, I have interviewed probably uh, almost about a thousand people in total for the book. And that includes cultivators, brand owners, attorneys and accountants, dispensary owners, bud tenders, influencers. Um, I have interviewed quite a number of people who have spent years and years and years in the industry. Um, often some of them have spent many years in jail as well. Um, but on the research side, so that was the interview side. On the research and data side, um, the, the qualitative and quantitative data, I worked very closely with uh, a number of firms that are now um, in the industry, such as Headset um, and BDS Analytics on the, on the quantitative side. On the qualitative side, I work with the Matters Group, um, and uh, we developed a number of, uh, of um, data points relating to who actually cannabis consumers were. Um, so, so it's really, you know, the research is really out in the field, interviewing brand owners, cultivators, attorneys, accountants, dispensary owners, bud tenders, and then really taking it back to, um, uh, to consumers uh, and, and asking them, you, you know, what it is they're seeking, what it is they're looking for, and tying that all together in a way that, um, that makes sense. David, how is, how is branding different uh, with cannabis from the branding of traditional mainstream products or are product and company branding essentially the same or in boilerplate, boilerplate regardless of the industry or product? Is there a difference in how companies approach cannabis branding? Well, th there is a difference in how they approach it, and that's quite frankly because they're forced forced to approach it, you know, relative to the rules and regulations. And I could talk about that in a minute. But, you know, relative to how do we as consumers relate to products, I don't think it's all that different. You know, we look for cues um, that that the brand owners give us in their products and through their packaging um, that attract us essentially. Um, so one of the things the, well, one of the things in the real world, I'll call it, is uh, there are things called brand archetypes. And those brand archetypes represent certain types of, of um, aspirations or lifestyles that people um, seek out. In the cannabis space, it's very similar. And so the book comes across um, uh, basically after interviewing all of the, the brand owners and, and spending years in the industry, the book sort of drills down um, on 14 cannabis brand archetypes. And, and those archetypes are the types of uh, hooks that these brand owners use to um, speak to their uh, customer segment. And, and a brand archetype, just to simplify it, is 
art and design, or luxury, or foodie, or a cultivator brand, a celebrity brand, a gender brand, or a charity brand, a health and wellness brand, or a regional brand. Those are the types of things that people are interested in. And those are the types of things that people look for. And those are the easiest way to speak to a consumer, in this case, a cannabis consumer, um, that makes sense to them and that draws them in. So if you're a baller, you're probably looking for a luxury brand, maybe a Lyra Canagar that you could show all your friends you spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on. If you're into health and wellness, Maybe you're looking for a brand like Apothecana or, um, or Cannabis Basics, you know, that's been around for a while and, and, and um, you know, is time tested. Um, maybe you, you're, you're looking for a regional brand, something from Humboldt. Um, it's those types of things that, that speak to the cannabis consumer or to a consumer and a cannabis consumer. And just to be clear, even though I'm calling out 14 individual cannabis brand archetypes, um, those often overlap. And a good example of that might be a Whoopi and Maya product. It's both a celebrity brand because it's Whoopi and Maya. It's a gender-based brand because it focuses on, on the um, female gender and, um, and also has some other components to it that, that take that brand across a number of different archetypes. But to answer your question, generally speaking, People are attracted to certain things for, for the same reason. And those certain things are consumable goods. You mentioned uh, Cannabis Basics. I had Ah Warner from Cannabis Basics on the show recently. Recently, I'm talking to David Palaszczuk. We're going to take our first break and come right back with our second segment. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back with David Palaszczuk. Uh, David, I know that you go as far as to review new legal cannabis brands uh, in your book. Um, can you describe some of the other contents of your book? What might a reader expect to learn when digesting this body of work? And who might benefit from reading Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis? Well, um, thank you for that question, Vivian. I, I think who might benefit from it? Probably most importantly, the canicurious those people that are interested in cannabis but just don't know exactly where to start, especially those that aren't living in states where it's either uh, medically or recreationally legal. I think that's that would be the first place that I would start. But outside of the can of curious, there are can of sores. Um, the book definitely goes deep enough to, um, you know, to appeal to them as well as investors and, and those folks that uh, would either be interested in investing or uh starting their own companies as well. Um, but, but really, um, you know, the book, the, the book, while it is called Branding Bud, the Commercialization of Cannabis, really digs in and, and sort of 
levels the playing field, so to speak. You know, I, I start off with the, uh, you know, the basics of cannabis, talking about THC, CBD, uh, sativa and indica, the entourage effect, bioavailability, different forms of uptake, different types of form factors, um, trying to help people understand that cannabis is, is no longer just flour that's put in a bowl or a bong or a joint and smoked, but that there's many different ways to consume cannabis. So that's where, where the book really starts off. From there, it goes to basically a brief political and legal history, talking about prohibition, talking about um, you know, the, the woes of uh, cannabis uh, over the years and, and how it's really gotten a bad rap. I talk about Harry Anslinger a bit and, um, and how uh, he sort of messed things up uh, for cannabis as well. Um, and then through that, um, you know, and coming out of prohibition, I talk about stereotypes and cannabis uh, in the fringe and, and how that has sort of rolled into pop culture. Um, you know, with everything from Cheech and Chong to Jeff Spicoli at Fast Times at Ridgemont High to um, Weeds to uh, all the other shows that uh, that I could mention and how that sort of rolled into pop culture. Um, and then really talks through modern legalization, um, you know, touching upon a little bit the I-502 law here in Washington State, some of the other laws in Colorado and California. Um, and then finally really delves into the, uh, the brands themselves. And, and in digging into the brands, uh, the chapters are separated by form factor. And by form factor, I mean flower, transdermal patches, sublingual slips, concentrates, topicals, um, tinctures, capsules. And I go through uh, all of the brands or many of the brands that are offering up uh, products uh, and promises um, within those categories. And uh, through many interviews of talking with uh, the brand owners and the chief marketing officers of those companies, um, I've, I've basically, um, you know, um, boiled down uh, some of the messaging that they were trying to get across um, and how they do that. Um, in creating cannabis products uh, that are packaged uh, to promote the promise of their brand. Um, so at the end of the day, I think um, the book is really, really interesting for those people that want to know more about cannabis and, and even the ones that are pretty deep into it. Um, you know, they'll, they'll find their, their favorite uh, personalities or brand owners quoted in the book. There's hundreds of quotes in the book, uh, lots of pictures in the book and uh, lots to learn. So it sounds like pretty much anybody, anybody might benefit from reading it, especially somebody who's uh, uh, new to the cannabis culture or curious or, or, or even somebody that's looking to be an entrepreneur. Um, David, you mentioned that cannabis businesses are more heavily regulated than most other businesses. How does the quasi-legal status of cannabis and, and the limit on marketing mediums or, or you know, avenues to advertise and get your brand out uh, how do those create unique challenges in terms of the branding of cannabis uh, and how do, how do companies deal with those issues? Well, you, you know, I, I think um, let's just use alcohol for a moment and, and <clears throat> make a comparison. If you have an alcoholic product, um, an alcohol product, you can um, 
basically, you know, leverage the the whole chain, uh, if you will, of of bars and and pubs and uh, drinking establishments across the country to promote your product in those establishments. Unfortunately, cannabis doesn't have that. Um, and for anybody who's been into a bar or a pub recently, it, it doesn't take but a minute to look across the bar and see all of the branded objects that, you know, that the um, alcohol companies, uh, the adult beverage companies basically supply and give to the, um, to the pubs and the bars. So the first thing is there's no real place to consume. And, and that in itself is, uh, is an issue. Um, not only in terms of marketing and branding, but you know, obviously in terms of safety and some of the other more important things that uh, that I wish some of uh, our legislators were were, were talking about uh, a little more seriously. So, so I, I think the first thing is the the establishment of consumption lounges um, really doesn't exist as of yet fully, and um, probably won't for quite some time. Um, outside of that, you know, the marketing and branding components, um, there's so many rules and regulations around online marketing. Um, and even, even let's just say you could somehow skirt by those. And let's say you were able to create an account with a million followers. Those followers are not going to live or reside in the state that you sell your products, most likely. So you'll have a smaller percentage of those followers that actually live in the state that you sell your cannabis product in. But it's not like, um, again, an alcohol product where you can get online and promote it and know that all of your followers are in states where they can actually purchase your product. So you're limited in that sense as well. Um, so it's very difficult for cannabis companies to build a national brand because they can't transport cannabis across state lines. So in that, they too then have to start creating new models, in this case, licensing models, to start to work with, start to work with other producer processors in other states and or uh, build out you know, parallel facilities uh, and duplicate what they've done in, in their first state. So there's lots of things that really come into play that really limit you know, um, marketing and brand building, um, you know, really from the bottom up. What well, sounds like uh, readers would be well served to send your book to their, their legislators from what I can see and educate them because, uh, you know, it's going to be a whole new world when we, we get uh, federal legalization and, there, and they, there's a national strategy for branding, right? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, um, believe it or not, that that I sort of take from my corporate career, you know, is is having served Pepsi and and having been there for a number of years. The the thing that you know strikes me is you have a corporate headquarter where the brands are developed, and then you have bottling companies in each of the states, and they take all of the brand directives and all of the SOPs and um, standard oper operating procedures and basically bottle the beverage and then distribute it. Now, it's interesting, you, you know, they do this because water is heavy and because it would be really costly to move bottled goods 
from you know one part of the country to another part of the country. So that's why they have bottling companies. But the cannabis industry is very similar. The reason they do it is because it's uh, illegal to take cannabis across state lines. But the business model starts to become very similar. And so it's interesting, you know, that in some ways my corporate experience um, in the beverage industry has sort of helped me better understand how to take a brand and push it out across multiple, um, in this case, producer processors, um, you know, to manage a brand nationally. It is time for our next break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with our final segment with David Palaszczuk. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Cannabis Radio with David Palaszczuk. David, can you touch on packaging and cannabis? How important is packaging and the branding of cannabis um, or, or is pra- packaging all that important? It is. Um, you know, branding is everything and packaging is important. Um, you know, let's take um, some brands we know for a minute. Think Coke. You know, the, the bottle itself or the can itself is everything. What does it represent? A Coke and a smile. Even more so, consistency. Um, those are the things that brands are built upon. So packaging is really important. And when you think about even, even the, the nuances, um, you know, let's again use Coke as an example. The further south you go, and Mexico being a perfect example, typically the sweeter a beverage is. Um, you know, Mexican Coke uses cane sugar. It's a little bit sweeter, has a slightly different taste, but it is essentially always Coke and its packaging tells that that statement. So it's really important. If you think about perfume too, you, you know, um, it, it, it talks about, um, you know, aspiration. It talks about all these things. At the end of the day, you know, the, the packaging is, is often what conveys the brand, the aspiration, and the consistency, even if there's a slightly a slight variance between a flavor profile. And in this case too, we see that you know, the, the favorite strains, um, the favorite strains in Los Angeles are different from the favorite strains in Denver and are different from the favorite strains in Seattle. So 
a brand can keep that consistency and that promise, even with um, different ingredients in their products. So packaging is very important. How can our listeners get a copy of your book and follow everything else you have going on? Well, um, the listeners can get a copy of my book um, right now for pre-purchase, um, pre-order on Amazon.com. Again, it's called Branding Bud, the Commercialization of Cannabis. Um, if they want to reach out to me directly, they can find me at david at brandingbud.com or on Instagram and Twitter at brandingbud.com. Is there anything you'd like to add while we still have, we have about a minute and a half uh, to talk that we haven't covered? Yeah, I, I think just quickly, um, again, I think, uh, you know, what, what, what brings me to the writing of this book is really the love of the plant and the ability to educate um, others like I've educated myself over the last 10 years. I really believe that it's time to normalize the plant. Um, I, I think we have to step up and, and represent the industry. Um, you know, and in doing so, we, we really need to normalize the consumption of cannabis. Um, it's about time. David Palaszczuk, author of Branding Bud, the commercialization of, commercialization of Cannabis. Thank you so much for being on Hempresent. Uh, your book sounds fascinating. Thank you, Vivian. That concludes this installment of Present on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find your voice and speak up for justice. Until then, my friends, stay strong and get involved in the struggle to end prohibition everywhere. Turn up the music maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.